Welcome to another episode of the Michigan State University Work Life Podcast. It is September and we are doing a series of podcast episodes with winners of the Outstanding Supervisor Award. The Supervisor Award is given to outstanding supervisors every year and this month we are going around campus talking to past winners of that award. And this morning, I am sitting across from Lynette Foreman in the Public Safety Building here at Michigan State University. Lynette, welcome. Thank you. What is the official name of this building? Because I've called it the police building, the parking office, and also contact MSU is here, correct? They are. The phone operators are here, yeah. For yep, It's the police and public safety building. All right, great. I joked over email that I haven't been here since I was a freshman, and that's a good streak. Uh, But we're here for a great reason today, and that is to share resources across campuses about how to be an outstanding supervisor. We know that you received the award, so you know at least some things about being outstanding, and we should share that with other folks across the university because not every work environment at Michigan State is great. And we're trying to change that. We are really trying hard at the work-life office, and I sincerely mean that. Uh, I'm also happy uh, to have here with me another person that's working hard on changing the culture, and that's Melissa Congleton, also from Public Safety. Yeah, hi, John. It's uh, my pleasure to be here, and as part of my duties as the MSU police, uh, I'm representing the department on the award committee. It's a great committee. I had Mike Gardner this morning do an episode with me, uh, and I forget all of the names off the top of my head, but when I see folks around campus, I recognize them as being part of the Outstanding Supervisor Award Committee, and it's great. I saw someone, I think it was Marcel, at the football game, and I was like, I know, I'm new here at Michigan State, but I'm like, now I know people, and it's always great (laughs) to see people. And I mentioned Melissa's name, to Nick Spike, who's a police officer here. And I said, I'm on a committee with Mel- Melissa Congleton. And Nick said, she's great. And I'm like, now I know people that know people. And that's a great place to be. <laughs> it's come so, smaller and smaller, right? That's right. <laughs> so thanks, Lynette and Melissa, for joining me on the podcast. Let's get started by uh, learning a little bit more about Lynette. How long have you been with Michigan State? What's your job and your role? And what do you do on a day-to-day basis? I have been with Michigan State probably longer than you've been a lot. No. no. (laughs) It's quite possible. I have been here since 1989. Um, I started in the controller's office. Um, My first job involved collecting bad checks, um, dispersing financial aid checks, um, and balancing all the deposits for the university. It was a manual process then. People physically brought their money to me, and I had to write them in a giant cash book and balance out at the end of the day. Then, um, for a brief time, was in an academic unit. Um, Realized that I really liked being in the administrative side of the university, and so when this position opened up, I came over here and have been here since 99. So you've been in this office for 20 years now. You got it. What have you seen that's changed over that time? What's the biggest change either in this department or across the campus community that you've seen in 20 years? So one th- uh, technology obviously yeah. has changed a lot. Um, 
like I said, I did everything manually when I first started here. But the other thing that's changed a lot is more and more people are bringing their cars to campus. More and more, there's other modes of transportation that we didn't have to worry about. We have e-scooters, we have mopeds, we have um, all kinds of different traffic on campus. And part of our jobs is not is trying to maintain control of all those different transportation. One of the things we support at the work-life office is various modes of commuting. Uh, with that being said, the change that you've seen in transportation, have you seen either in your staff members or uh, employees across the university a change in the way employees are commuting to and from work? We have a few carpoolers that come in and get carpool permits. We have more and more of the mischievans on campus. So that's where um, one person's responsible for the maintenance of the van and um, then everyone else pays a fee to be able to ride the van and then one person goes around and picks everybody else up. Um, we've seen more and more of those. Um, the bus transportation on campus um, has um, originally was MSU buses. Yes, and I rode those buses okay. back in the 90s. <laughs> I remember my driver well. And in fact, I think that's when they changed around 99 to CADA, right, mm -hmm. right when I was leaving the university to, to go west. Right? Yeah. It used to be MSU. Mm -hmm. Has that changed um, how you uh, uh, sort of manage the day-to-day -day, uh, operations here in the office when cha big changes like that occur? Is your team able to adapt to things like that as they happen? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, we Luckily, I work with a, a great team. They're all very flexible. We have changes all the time. We have um, now there's a lot of pay-by-plate parking on campus rather than metered parking um, so that someone can just go, they can pay using their phone, they can pay um, physically going up to a pay station, um, and they don't have to carry coin and worry about putting an hour and a half worth of coin into a meter, um, because and and that's the other big change. Everybody uses credit and debit cards. Nobody uses cash anymore. Right. I try to avoid it. It's <laughs> yeah. too easy to drop. Yeah. Know? And then uh, I'll never see it again. Um, but the other thing that's but the easy thing about a credit card and a debit card is they just keep putting money. They just keep charging stuff to it. Yeah. And then pretty soon they have you know, $800 worth of tickets or whatever the situation is, or they've come in and, you know, bought $800 worth of par where they could park in lot 89 and ride the bus complimentary or at their apartment complex and ride. The That's the good thing about having CADA be our bus service is that it's countywide, not just on campus. So, and, you know, to shift gears a little bit, that makes me think about the resources available at Michigan State. That's an example of a resource that exists that many people might not know about. And so they'll default to one way of doing things for a year, especially if they're a new employee at Michigan State, and they'll find their parking spot and not realize how many options are available. So shifting gears, um, thinking about your outstanding supervision, how do you convey resources to your employees, your direct reports and your team, of things that might be useful to them that they don't know about, but you know about because you've been here a while, how do you find out what their needs might be and then convey the appropriate useful resources? Well, part of it is you have to get to know your employees. You can't just sit in your office 
and let them do all the work and not interact with them at all. So if you're interacting with them every day, you know something a little bit. And, and you have to know about their home life because their home life has to come before their job or they're unhappy at work. So once you get to know them and talk to them and then you, you know, oh, well, are you familiar with the employee assistance program on campus? Or, oh, did you know you can take the bus from your apartment and you, you don't have to worry about um, paying for a parking permit or um, paying for gas if you have um, someone whose income is um, restricted? So just getting to know your employees is huge. So then you know what they need, maybe. You, I don't mean you know what they need, but... You can make suggestions that might, might be beneficial for them. Yeah, and you're more aware if you talk to them. You're more aware of what their circumstances are and how you can serve them and uh, try to meet their needs with useful resources. So you talk about getting to know your employees, and you've been here for 20 years in this role, so you've had plenty of time to get to know some people. But I'm going to start a line of questions here about how to get to know someone. Remember, we're talking uh, today with you, who is who, who is an outstanding supervisor, but we're trying to give tips, practical tips and tools to others across campus. So let's talk about getting to know your team and how you can best do that for someone who might be struggling as a supervisor to get to know their team. Uh, you know, a supervisor can force themselves into an office and force a conversation or maybe there's a new supervisor, it's their first month, and they've joined a team where they supervise a dozen folks that have been here for 20 years and all already know each other. So there are a wide variety of circumstances that make it difficult to get to know your staff members. So can you talk about maybe some examples or experience that has um, informed you how to make and form the best relationships with your team members? So every morning when I come in in the morning, I make it a point of going around talking to every single one of my employees, ask them how their evening was, did they do anything fun, um, how was their morning, um, was it a hectic morning. Um, then from there, you kind of offshoot, you find out whether they have kids, whether they, whether they commute from a f farther away or what the situation is. And then at night, I do the same thing. How was your day today? How did things go? Um, and in between, of course, then you're, you know, you go up there for to deal with customers and stuff. But in the morning and at night, I specifically spend time just um, with them, being visible, um, making, help, trying to make them more comfortable to me, with me. Um, you know, you have really shy employees who, in the beginning, they're not going to say anything. They're not going to talk at all. But if you ask, go into the room and you ask, so how's everybody's night? You know, if there's several people in there, then eventually that person's going to open up too. Or eventually they'll come back to your office maybe and close the door and tell you something, talk to you privately, where they wouldn't before because you're not visible, you're just a supervisor. And supervisors are scary and you don't agree <laughs> with all their decisions and all kinds of other things. So. Yeah, I noticed right away when I got into the building today that you have a pretty open door policy. And even before this podcast recording started, one of your staff members came in and was uh, talking to you from the hallway and your door was open and you were engaging with that employee and they felt comfortable coming to you. And that employee did not seem very scared. You know, <laughs> I've been in a place before where I tried to avoid a supervisor 
And uh, it doesn't seem like that's the atmosphere here, and that's great. Um, so I'm going to start uh, a, a line of questioning about onboarding and getting employees onto the team and how you get them uh, sort of integrated into the culture of Michigan State and the office. And then I'm going to pass the mic to Melissa, who can talk to you more about what you do when that employee does get on the team and has been here a little while, how you can make that employee feel appreciated, reduce their feelings of being overburdened, and sort of mitigate interpersonal conflict. But before the employee's been here for five months or five years and has an interpersonal conflict, you have to hire someone and you have to onboard them. So in terms of relationship building and setting the culture and setting you know precedent for what hopefully is years to come from a, a hire to even hopefully retirement, mm-hmm. um, you know we always want to reduce turnover. How do you set it up from day one uh, when you post a job, when you interview an employee and when you hire them, how do you start building that relationship right from the get-go? Great. <laughs> <laughs> you can remember. Think about who did I just hire, and hopefully they're still here. So uh, I have to, because of what we do here, um, we um, sell parking permits, register vehicles, and um, you know we also have to enforce parking. Um, and so I supervise phone operators. I supervise counter people. And I'm looking for something different when I'm looking for a phone operator. I'm looking, I really have to look for someone who has a pleasant demeanor. Um, well, I mean, they both have to have a, I have a pleasant demeanor. But you can be shy and you can be out, or you can be outgoing, either one. Um, as long as you're not coming into the interview like, um, I want to, I'm in charge, um, this is how things are. And you can, you can sense that from an interview. That's kind of what I look for. Of course, I want someone with a little bit of experience, but to me, you can train the experience. It's better to have somebody who has the right set of personal skills. So, Lynette, it sounds like you're looking for someone with a strong work ethic that'll fit into the existing culture. Right. How do you uh, keep your team working together as one, as a group? It's important to find somebody in the group that's willing to be a mentor and a trainer, and someone that's w- and that someone that's willing to do that would make a good mentor and a trainer. Um, I was I'm really fortunate in this department. Um, the person that they um, this department, when my position became available, they um, asked one of the cashiers to step up and be me, um, and she chose not to. But she's a fantastic trainer. She has great personal skills. She makes people feel really comfortable. Um, we take them around the building and show them where the bathroom is because some people are may have to go to the restroom and they'd be afraid to ask anybody where it was or is it okay just to walk away from my desk to go to the bathroom because I, there's a line out the door um, where the lunchroom is, where you can put that kind of stuff, introduce the person to everybody on the first day, and they're not going to remember everybody's names the first day, but every day you're going to bring them in and you're going to, you know, they're, they're going to be involved in the group. They're going to have this mentor who's going to know the names of everybody. And as she's walking around and asking questions or going to a supervisor, because I have three of them that work for, for me also, um, she's explained to him what that particular person does, and those are really important things. It's important to have, find a person like that on your team if you can. And if not, then you got to be that person. 
Thanks, Lynette. And uh, it sounds like keeping the lines of communication open from day one are a real priority for you. And I wonder what else you do to make your employees feel appreciated along the way. Well, it, it's just little things like um, getting a birthday card for everybody's birthday and having everybody sign it. Um, and on their birthday, giving them the card and maybe bringing in a treat on that day or having a treat that week. Those things make people feel like, and I do care. That's the other thing is, I genuinely do care about the people that work for me. I care whether they had a horrible night. I don't just sit down and ask them how their night went. I care how their night went because it's going to matter how they're going to do their job, what happened to them last night or what happened to them this morning. And those things are, are really important, I think. So recognizing them, recognizing that they have an um, outside life, um, if somebody, if I get a compliment from a customer, um, I'm sure to tell everybody else, you know, or one day it was really rainy. This is just a small example. Um, one of my employees saw an elderly person out in the parking lot struggling. They were disabled, trying to, they ran an umbrella out to them. They walked in with them. I told everybody about it because that's important. So I hear you saying it's very important to recognize your employees when they do go above and beyond and do take that extra mile. Absolutely. And I wonder, as a supervisor, when someone is having a bad day or is really struggling personally and has that extra weight that they're carrying with them, but you, as the supervisor, need to make sure that the work is getting done, how do you find a way to balance that? So the other thing that um, I feel is really important is that um, someone might come to me and say, I don't feel like so-and-so is really doing their... And I'm like, well, you know, maybe this just isn't their day. We have to. We all have to work together. Can you cover for them today? Because maybe tomorrow it's going to not be your day and you're going to need them to cover for you. And if you all do that every day, then you find that when somebody does need a day off or does need some time off, everybody is willing to step up. Or um, we just processed 10,000 over almost 11,000 online parking permit orders just for fall semester. <laughs> and that requires everybody to be involved and everybody to step up, and they all do. And I think it's because they know that if they need help, everybody's going to come to their help. Do you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of like trickle down. Like if you help others, they're going to help you. And that's kind of an expectation. Sure, so you cultivate uh, a workplace where instead of people feeling overburdened, it's more of a team effort. Right. Like, yeah, you don't want somebody sitting at their desk doing nothing when this other person who's got 11,000 permit orders is working 10 tons of hours and coming in early, staying late, working further. You just all have to do work together to get it done. And building a team atmosphere sounds great. I wonder what you do uh, when you have uh, conflict within your team. How do you Oh, yeah, it happens. It? <laughs> <laughs> so first of all, I don't, um, I, don't, I don't like gossip. I don't condone gossip. Um, if I hear someone talking about someone else, I, ask, I tell them, you know, if it's not work-related, you really need to... Um, that isn't a thing that we do here in the workplace. Um, but there are conflicts, and it's important, first of all, to find out both sides of the story because they both have 
And sometimes when you bring them together and you have hear both sides of the story, it's not at all what the other person intended. That's just how the one who's upset took it or, or vice versa. So it's important to talk to them, both of them, figure out or all of them, whoever's involved, and figure out what the situation is. Sure, and along those lines, uh, how do you cultivate a safe work environment? You work here at the police department. Uh, just by its very nature, people aren't always happy when they get here. Uh, how do you cultivate a safe work environment w with the customers and also amongst the team? So um, people aren't always happy when they get here, it's true. Um, we do let them know that you should be, feel very comfortable coming to one of the supervisors. If you have a particularly a customer who has upset you and you need to walk away from your workstation, then you walk away from your workstation. If you need to have, um, if, if you need someone else to complete the transaction, someone else is going to complete the transaction for you. Um, it helps that they all care about each other, so they're, they're, they're willing to do that kind of thing. Um, the other thing that's really important when you have um, not always a very nice customer base is to make sure it's fun to come to work, to make sure that we're laughing, that we're having fun, that we're joking around, you know, on somebody's 50th birthday we're all going to wear black, or if it's spring break and we have to work and everybody else goes to spring break, then we dress up in grass skirts, or, you know, just kind of like cultivate a fun environment so that we enjoy we all enjoy each other and that's what's important it's amazing to hear uh as someone who was a student here once and now an employee that y you have the a very challenging job to create a fun environment at the parking <laughs> ticket office <laughs> i think you have one of the most difficult jobs on campus that's I mean, why they give me this nice office, because they're like, hey, we got to keep her happy. <laughs> it is a great office on the south side of campus. You're close to the surplus store and close to the dairy store. That's, that's important. That's very good. And I'm assuming, since you know people that work in the parking office, that you have pretty good parking and, and there's good accommodations there, correct? Yeah, gotta be. We all have to buy permits, too, unfortunately. Oh, no special yeah, treatment. No, no sorry. Well, you know, to segue nicely into this next topic, <laughs> I mentioned special treatment, you know, and perks. Uh, but there is um, an element of supervision where you might have a good relationship with one employee, a really good relationship. You might go out to dinner with them uh, after hours to a pub trivia or something like that. And another employee uh, you never spend time with outside of work. And there creates some... Um, perception of favoritism i see you shaking your head over there so you've probably already got a response to this question how do you set boundaries and how do you avoid uh, perceptions of favoritism so as much as i'd like to because there are people that i think would be great friends outside of work um i don't do things outside of work with employees um i think that um i'm their supervisor and if they I mean, unless we're all going. If everybody's going to go and we're all going to participate in an activity, then that's different. Um, but it's, it is very hard. Even if I go out and take a walk one day, which I've done before with somebody because they need to talk, then everybody else is upset because, 
you've, you know, taken a walk with so-and-so and she never took a walk with me. So you just have to be really, really careful about if you are going to take a walk because someone needs it, then the next time um, I've driven someone to the hospital because their mom was t being taken to emergency. So I sat with them in an emergency while their mom was there. You just have to do this. You have to do things for everybody and not just the ones that you think, wow, this is somebody I'd like to hang out with. You need to do it for everybody. Does that yeah. make sense? Yeah, definitely giving equal treatment to all of your staff members. It shows that you're a very fair supervisor if you don't have preference uh, for one employee over another. And that, that even comes, you mentioned, to walks at lunch, to uh, the quantity of meetings. Like if you're meeting every day with one employee but not other employees, they might feel excluded. So is there anything else you want to say about building a culture of inclusion in this office, ways that you can make it known that everybody has equal access to you uh, in your office to ask questions and that no one else is getting preferential treatment. How do you establish that culture of inclusion here in this office? Well, I think always having your door open and always, no matter who's at your door, saying, what can I help? What can I help you with? Um, getting up out of your chair if they're not walking in so that they, so that they, you know, they know that it, you, they are important, that their question is important. Uh, making sure when they do come to you with questions that you never make them feel like um, they'll come to you and say, I know I probably asked you this before, and I'm say, you know, there's a lot to remember here. There's a lot of different rules and regulations and ordinances, and I would much rather you ask a question. And the other thing, I'd rather that they um, err on the side of customer service also. So... I don't know if that answered your question. But there are no bad questions. It, <laughs> it, it gets back to Melissa's line of questioning about creating a safe environment. When someone feels safe that they can come to you and ask you anything, that's a safe environment. And that's what we're going for here at Michigan State is that people feel safe going to their supervisor, asking any question, even asking for time off or proposing a flex schedule agreement or, you know, anything, uh, I'm going to be late today because my kid's sick and I have to take them to the doctor. I'm telling you, there are some situations where employees are so scared to, to say that they're going to be an hour late because their child is sick, mm -hmm. because they're scared of their supervisor. But it sounds like you've created a safe environment here where people feel like they can come to you if there's a family circumstance that comes up and they need a little bit of a flexible schedule of that day. Um, now... I'm thinking about the people that might have the most questions, and I'm looking at my question sheet, uh, seeing that we haven't touched on relocation and individuals that come to Michigan State who aren't like me from Lansing. You know, I was born two miles from here, and I know what it's like here. And like I was joking about, I knew this office because I was a freshman here. I work here. I went to school here. I've lived here. I feel very much a part of the community and the culture. I'm not scared of too many supervisors. If the president wants to do a podcast episode, I'd feel comfortable going into his office and doing one. But if you come from another state, another community, or another country, and you're hired into your team here, that person might be a little bit more apprehensive about coming to you uh, to ask for a religious holiday off when they see uh, how we do things in the United States and the holidays that we have off and the holidays that we don't have off automatically. Mm -hmm. So they might be a little bit more timid and um, not come to you as readily and as freely. 
So uh, have you had any experience with individuals who have relocated from another geographic area or another community or culture uh, that have come in here? If so, uh, how have you uh, sort of broken down the, the walls of um, apprehension? You know, I know you have an open door policy, but that doesn't automatically get people to come in and ask questions. Right. So have you hired anyone like that in the past? Do you have any experience with that? Or what are some tips and tools you can offer other supervisors to break the ice with that individual who is just a little bit less likely to automatically come to you with questions and concerns? Yeah, I haven't had anyone relocate from a different area because I have mostly clerical staff that work for me and the salary, unless their spouse or something has relocated, isn't enough to come here. Um, but I think it also that also pertains to someone that comes from a different background. Mm-hmm. Like, um, I do have people that work for me that have never been on campus except for their job interview, um, which is huge because then I have another person over here who whose father worked on campus. She lived in East Lansing, so she knows everything about campus. So it's a matter of kind of bringing that person in by starting conversations with the two of them in the room um, and say, you know, hey, do you know of anything happening this weekend? And because Laura would know things going on in the area and Jamie would not, and kind of bringing them together, if that makes sense. Yeah, and you you, you bring up some uh, great things that make me think about the other types of uh, employees that we have here at Michigan State that aren't so visibly, um, you know, unfamiliar with campus life and it's it even reminds me of someone who might come from a rural michigan community who and again we're in the parking office (laughs) who i mean it could be so rural they drive their tractor to school and you know they come work here at michigan state and they're like wait a minute i have to pay for parking and i have to there's a bus and uh you know uh, I know we're a Michigan Agricultural College, but there are some communities in, in Michigan even that are much different than East Lansing. Mm-hmm. And so we, uh, we have to look out for employees who might not uh, be acclimated to uh, the function of campus life. And we have to make sure that they have the resources and that their needs are met. Just as much as uh, the employee that's in the office next to them or the cubicle mm-hmm. next to them. And so we set a real equal um, playing field. Yeah. Did you know there's a dairy store on campus? Did you know that they serve sandwiches at lunch? Did you know there's a counseling center in Olin House Center? Did you know there's a work-life office? Um, just in conversations or um, new hire is looking for daycare, and we have daycare on campus. Did you know that? So, I mean, all kinds of different yeah, and sometimes the supervisor is the only one that's going to provide that employee with that information. As uh, unfortunate as, as that sounds, they get blasted with emails, and yeah, we send out mass emails about work life, but that could go to their spam folder, or a quick deletion because they're focused on other stuff. Mm-hmm. So sometimes the supervisor is the only person that delivers them all that information that you just mentioned. So that's, that's why outstanding supervisors are so important And that is why we recognize Outstanding Supervisors every year with the Outstanding Supervisor Award here at Michigan State. Lynette, do you remember when you won the award? And can you you give us a little flashback, paint the picture? What was your (laughs) 
ceremony-like. So I knew nothing about it. It was kept a secret. My boss said, and I thought this was kind of weird, I'd like to take you to the university club for lunch because he wanted to make sure that I dressed for the occasion. I mean, you know, so I'm like, okay, what day, what time? We worked it out. And then I came back into the building, and there was all my staff and family members also, and I just bawled mostly. I just bawled. Huh. Okay. <laughs> Tears but of it was, joy. Yeah. But then looking back, like, um, even when you said you are going to do the podcast, I opened up my book that they gave me with all the letters of um, recommendation. Wow. It's really cool to read those and to realize how much people care. It really is really, really nice. And that's why I cried, because I was so overwhelmed that people cared. Well, when you do the right thing, when you hold Spartan values and you operate on a day-to-day basis based on a set of principles, it just sort of works out like that. And people see it, and then you get recognized, and hopefully they provided you with some delicious chocolate cake. Yes. Oh, yes. And balloons and a big banner. Mm-hmm. Mm. Mm-hmm. And a I, certificate. I, and we've been talking, Melissa and I have been talking as part of the committee as to what the next uh, set of winners are going to do for their celebrations, which are coming up here pretty soon, October 16th and 17th. October 16th is Boss's Day. So make sure you are nice to all of your staff members. <laughs> so they'll be nice to me. That's right. And you can celebrate <laughs> Boss's Day with us on October 16th across campuses. Lynette Foreman, I want to thank you for spending time with us today. And congratulations again on your outstanding Supervisor Award here at Michigan State. Thank you, John, for taking the time to come talk to me and for getting the word out about the um, award that you have for all the supervisors on campus who should be recognized and employees too. It was my pleasure and Melissa Congleton, thank you for coming in. I know you didn't have to walk too far, although your (laughs) office is not here. You're based out of the Frib, right? Yes, I'm at the facility for rare isotope beams and I just want to say, Lynette, it's a real pleasure working with you over the years. I've come to your office many times, mostly with completely random things that don't normally come across your desk and you always handle them with grace. So thank you. Thank you, Melissa. It's a pleasure working with you also. This is really a good department. I love working here. I really do. Well, don't talk too highly about it because maybe I'll transfer away from the work-life office. We'll take you. (laughs) And I'm really thrilled because it's been about 33 minutes and this is the first time your phone rang. So now we know what it sounds like on mic. But again, Lynette, Melissa, I appreciate it. And go green. Thank you.